What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. And today on episode 23, we're going to talk about linebackers. So I love linebackers. Uh, I've coached them before, and obviously I played the position, so this is definitely my speciality. But uh, without further ado, let's jump right into it. So at number five, we have Brian Mottram, the 6'1", 225 inside linebacker from Regis Jesuit. So I'm um, just going to throw this out there because I know it's going to come up uh, probably a million more times. If we say your name wrong, we apologize. And you're welcome on to the show anytime. But uh, yeah, so Brian Mottram, um, he is an inside linebacker. And just so you all know, this list, I think, will be mostly inside linebackers. Uh, there will be obviously some could rush off the edge and some have, but you know, the, I think for the most part, these guys are all inside linebackers or just the linebackers in general. We kind of did outside linebackers slash Ed rushers in our, um, what is it in our defensive line episode. So check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, but this year, all the linebackers are going to be in one spot. And so Brian, he is our number five guy in the state of Colorado. And so Cody, do you mind if I go ahead and talk about some of his positives here? Proceed. All right. So uh, first things first, he has great D one size. And in my opinion, he uses it really well to take on blockers. I don't have to worry about uh, how physical he is and whether his, I guess frame will hold up on the next level because on this level, you know, it holds up extremely well. You see him taking on guards, tackles, uh, a, pl- a plethora of offensive linemen and block shedding really, really well. And so he doesn't get blown off the ball. And that's what you like to see. That means they're pretty strong, right? Um, in addition, he has pretty good pass rushing moves for an inside linebacker. If you watch his film carefully, he really does use his hands well and block sheds very well. Um, I think he has a very nice swim move in his arsenal and then a couple other things as well. And in my opinion, I think this will translate very well going on into the next level. On top of that, you know, obviously he's, um, well, I guess it's not obvious because you don't see this in some linebackers, but he is an aggressive tackler, you know, a very strong guy. And so he, he's not afraid to go ahead and pop somebody um, when filling the lane or uh, doing, doing his thing and flowing to the ball. And, you know, speaking on that, he does have good instincts and he you know fills running lanes very well and he shuts down plays pretty easily honestly like he's kind of like a plug and play type of guy and then lastly at least for me he does play quite a bit of zone and makes some good plays there's some linebackers in the state of colorado who honestly don't play the pass as well as they probably could or don't have the opportunities to play the pass and that's just because their responsibilities as an inside linebacker or as a linebacker don't really involve playing a ton of the pass unless it's like a quick man-to-man thing like they're responsible for the running back or tight end if they leak out but they you don't really see a lot of that i would say but you know brian on the other hand he does play that middle zone pretty well and he does a good job disrupting passes and um you know there's definitely a little bit of an art to that as well but he does a solid enough job at that but cody what are some things you really liked about brian Mottram here yeah so i had a lot of fun watching brian's film and something that i really liked is he watches the quarterback's eyes very well and is super disciplined about that no matter what the play is so 
He's very, he's not susceptible to any kind of fakes or play action. And I think that's part of the reason that makes him such a good zone player is if you watch a lot of other linebackers in the state of Colorado, they play their zone and that's it. They, they just play how it's drawn up and they don't react to the play or any of the routes happening. Brian is not like that. He's very instinctual. He knows what to look at and what to look for. So he has a lot of IQ at the linebacker position, which is exactly what you need because you're asked to do so much. I also think that, like you said, he, he's able to pass rush really well. And I think that he's a super sound blitzer who uses his hands. And he also has a pretty good sidestep as far as like a move goes. So he shows some kind of sneaky agility when it comes in between the tackles and things like that. He, he has a very surprising vertical, I'd also say. And you, you can see it in his interceptions. None of them are like, none of them are super easy, I'd say. I mean, there's a couple, but he goes up and he climbs a staircase to get some interceptions and also for some pass deflections that led to interceptions. He, he reaches up there and I was very surprised with that at his size, nonetheless. And, you know, his, his zone coverage is definitely up there in the state as far as, you know, linebackers who, who play the pass very well. I also think that his footwork is pretty solid and he moves side to side reasonably well. And and those are those are some of the things that I really liked about Brian, on top of everything that, that you mentioned and, and some things that I rehashed. Yeah, for sure. So do you want to get started and talk about his areas of improvements and some things he could work on in the offseason? Absolutely. So... You know, there's a reason Brian here is at number five and not higher. And I'd say that the biggest reason for that is his speed. I'd say that his top end speed is not very impressive. Simon, I know that you you and I talked about this before the show. And that was the first thing that jumped off the film as far as things to improve is he's not very fast. So I'd say that like starting with improving like burst or acceleration would be the beginning of that and then doing things to improve your top end speed. Because especially at middle linebacker where, you know, preferably you can play sideline to sideline and at that next level being able to play man coverage would be very reassuring because at this moment in time, I wouldn't trust Brian in man coverage because of his speed. So, those are things that immediately jumped out and then I'd also say that his stance is kind of janky before the ball snapped and I think that he could get a much faster start and that would also contribute to his improved speed is working on his stance because his feet kind of point outwards which he doesn't do once he starts moving side to side and i found that kind of interesting that he would start at like almost a disadvantage so i think working on you know pointing those feet more north and south having them shoulder width apart and being able to operate off of that could could help brian become a better player and i think that his back pedal could also use some work and i think that fixing that stance from the base would improve that as well simon what were some areas of improvement that you had for brian out of regis yeah so honestly it was a lot of the same stuff um his top i mean i wouldn't say his top end speed is the biggest concern i i just say he needs to get a just faster in a lot of different areas so you know working on the burst and explosiveness you know i think as a middle linebacker that is extremely important you know he has solid enough burst and explosiveness but but it could definitely be better you know like there are some guys on here that are excellent and they just fly to the ball and you know brian it's just a little bit slower and so 
I would like to see that worked on a lot. So, you know, that, that means leg day, obviously box jumps, do all those things to just, uh, form better, uh, stronger legs and, you know, become more explosive in that aspect. And so that's what I'd like, really like to see top end speed. Honestly, I mean, you know, you could improve your running form and all that stuff, but that's kind of a tough one to work on just because you either have it or you don't most of the time, but maybe if it gets stronger and improves, I just think right now, <clears throat> you know, I need, I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting him out there, um, you know, against spread formations. And I think that's where he becomes a little bit obsolete here. And so I, I'd like to know that he could play man as well, just in case, you know, and if he does play man, he would either have to go up against tight ends or running backs. And so he needs to have at least a little bit of juice on him. So he's not a complete liability because uh, in my opinion, you know, if I was an OC or um, an offensive guy, I would be like, all right, you know, Brian Mottram, he's great against the run. He does his thing, but let's get him into one-on-one on a swing pass or on a uh, on a wheel route and let's see what happens. Right. And I don't feel great knowing that they can manipulate him into those situations and, uh, how well he could physically hold up in those situations as well. And so I think that is something he really needs to improve on. If he could improve on his technique, man, uh, coverage wise, that'd help him a lot too. You know, you don't always have to be the fastest guy, but you know, if he knows, um, you know, where to win leverage and how to stick to a guy and his feet are coordinated enough to keep up with a guy, um, through backpedal and then break into the ball and break into the player, then you know that that'd be great. So that's really what I'd like to see. I just think as a pass guy you know he might have to be somebody at least in the early years you you might have to take off the field you know just because you don't completely trust him out there uh against the pass especially those spreads and you know a lot of college programs that's kind of the bread and butter the spread at least and if that's not their main thing then you know you could i could probably guarantee it that the spread is a wrinkle in a lot of offenses and even if they don't run that consistency consistently it's there so so yeah but cody well, uh go ahead well i was gonna say you you're already starting to kind of talk about what it would look like for him at the collegiate level so what is your outlook and his path to play at the next level and i don't think that brian is committed yet last i last i checked okay because i was gonna ask that um okay well then i think he would have to be a d2 guy at least just because of you know his level of athleticism right now I, I think he's plenty strong enough you know and he has the size and that's great but you know speed wise i do think he's a tad bit slow for a lot of d1s and you know like i said especially on that d1 level if there's not a wrinkle for a spread formation well then a lot of them are running it so i think that's just a hard i guess uh that's just a hard sell, you know, a lot of linebackers nowadays, like obviously it's a little bit or a lot different from what it was before, right? You won't have a lot of guys who are just straight up like, you know, six foot one plus or six foot two plus and then 240 pound plus coming out of high school. You really just don't see that as much anymore. You know, those guys like those are like the days of like the Ray Lewis's. Uh, I think even you could throw in Brian Urlacher. Well, Brian Urlacher, he's, I guess, a little bit more modern, but Ray Lewis, those kind of guys for sure. Patrick Willis, those type of guys like, you know, there are some of those guys, but a lot of the time nowadays, you know, 
coaches are looking for a Quan Alexander type, a Deion Jones type, someone who could cover the past and pass and who you don't have to take off the field, honestly. Someone that you could trust out there because, you know, just where uh, just with where football is going, you know, obviously you see all these crazy spread offenses like the like Kingsbury offense, Sean McVay's, even to a degree, Andy Reid's little air raid offense that he runs with Mahomes. You have to have a linebacker out there that could keep up, right? And so a lot of teams would rather have speed over size. And so six foot 220, that's fine for a linebacker. That's plenty big enough as a D1 guy, as long as they could hold up against bigger blockers. But the bigger concern there is their speed. And so because of that, I think that limits him automatically. And he's a D2 guy. Um, with that being said, I think he could probably get a full ride D2 somewhere. Uh, it's just tough with the way things are. I think he can get a full ride D2 somewhere. It's it's just going to be a matter of where and you know what they're looking for and whether he fits their system and all that great stuff. Um, I wouldn't recommend Juco just because like, I, I mean, unless that's his really only option, he could go Juco. But like, I really do think, you know, whatever offer comes now, maybe the best that he will get. I can't see, I, like, I'm going to be honest. I could see some D1s potentially taking a chance on him, but whether they offer him a full ride or not is a whole nother question. But Cody, what do you think about uh, his outlook here? Yeah, so I, I got to agree with you that I think Brian's a, a D2 player, and I think that he absolutely should at least get partial offers at the Division two level. And I think that there's a, a good demand, especially at the D2 level, for a player like Brian. And I'd say to Brian to bet on yourself and – don't be afraid to accept a partial and then turn it into a full. You know, I know that that's, it's not necessarily like the most likely route, but I think that he's a player capable of doing something like that. Especially, I think that he, he could be based off of his on field discipline. I feel like he's very coachable. And if you look at his film, I mean, he's been playing varsity football since his sophomore year, which is a statement in and of itself at Regis high school. And his improvement every year has been pretty steady. So yeah. I think that, you know, he, he can address these areas of improvement for sure. And and if he's capable of addressing those and then playing well at, at said areas to improve at, that he can transition from a partial to a full ride kind of guy in, in like the latter years of his playing. But I think that he's a guy at the Division Two level who I honestly wouldn't mind playing sooner than later. I think that fundamentally he's capable of doing so and i think that mentally he's capable of doing so would i prefer to give him some time always yes but i do think at the division two level brian is somebody who who could succeed and and even thrive at that level and i i wouldn't rule out that brian could potentially walk on at like a smaller fcs school but i think that you take the sure thing here if you have partial scholarships at the d2 level yeah yeah i i would definitely agree here um it's it's tough for defensive players in general i think i mean i don't know i i guess i'm a little biased here but in my opinion i think it's a little bit harder for defensive players to earn a full ride than offensive players uh just because you know everyone's always about the offense the flashiness and you know bringing tickets and you know a casual fan so casuals out there whether it's college fans or whatever They'd rather watch, you know, a bunch of scoring than great defense. And so at least when it comes to football. And so that's just what it is. 
uh it's a shame but you know that's just the reality of the sport the co- the culture of the sport so you know it is what it is but he's a good player i don't think he'll need a whole ton of coaching from like i guess a how should i say this yeah or from a system standpoint uh, just because, you know, didn't he? I'm pretty sure Regis is 5A, so he got to see some of the more complicated offenses. So, you know, you have some slack there. And, you know, he, he's kind of, like I said, he's kind of like a plug and play guy. I would feel comfortable giving him some reps um, in game two on the D2 level. It would just have to be situational. And that's kind of where things get a little bit complicated there. But, you know, I think he could definitely be a situational kind of player slash a special teams player year one. So, so yeah. But, uh, Cody, if you don't have anything else to add on, do you want to introduce our next linebacker here? Yeah, I, w- I was just about to do that. So, that was, once again, Brian Mottram. Once again, if we're saying your name wrong, let us know. Out of Regis High School, definitely worth a look. So, get this guy some looks but at number four we have daniel parsec out of mountain view high school six foot two 225 pounds so this is a little bit taller than brian but uh arguably a completely different player and simon if you don't mind me talking about the strengths of daniel parsec i'd love to get this ball rolling yeah go for it also shout out to mason austin he uh did a little scouting report on daniel parsec so there you go Hey, go thank ahead, you. Cody. Thanks, cuz. But anyways, Daniel Parsec strengths. The first thing I put: super physical and solid speed. So Daniel Parsec, he's able to play both in the box and outside the box. I mean, he basically lines up as like a cornerback sometimes in pass coverage, especially his senior year. And I put here that he has the best hands of linebackers in coverage because he's also a really solid tight end, which. If you haven't listened to the tight ends episode, that would be the most, the last one that we released. So go ahead and give that a listen and you'll understand why Daniel, you know, wasn't able to make that list, but he's a solid tight end and it translates super well to being a linebacker. He's super aggressive at the point of attack whenever the ball's thrown. He has a pretty good reach with with his arms. So, you know, he's able to intercept passes that most quarterbacks are like, oh, it's a linebacker. Nope, he just took it back to the house. So I think that, his hands are good, both in coverage, and I think that his hands are pretty solid whenever he goes to rush the passer, as far as, you know, being able to move linemen and, you know, stick his arms straight straight out, and he's pretty strong. I also think that Daniel Parsec is a very downhill player whenever it comes to the run game. You know, his first step is always going to be forward and going to wherever the ball is, and he has a nose for the ball, and, you know, that's super physical, like... We, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and Jesse brought it up. It's like, you know, you can coach fundamentals and you can coach technique, but at a certain level, a player wants to hit, and Daniel Parsec wants to hit. You know, he'll he'll just push over linemen. He'll level quarterbacks. He'll level running backs. He'll level whoever's in front of his path and, you know, make him think twice about getting up. I also think that his physicality translates well into pass coverage because within five yards, he bumps people off their routes super hard, gives them a good jam, better jams than, you know, a lot of cornerbacks that we see. And I think that I, I would have liked to see more matchups with Daniel against some of these top tight ends in the state. But I think that he's he's an absolute dude, both in pass coverage and, and in the run game. So, I mean, what were some strengths that you saw from Daniel Parsec out of Mountain View? Yeah, so honestly, a lot of those same things. So, Daniel Parsec, I think just... 
in general, he's just a very good athlete for someone his size. You said he's listed at 6'2", 225. He honestly moves a little bit faster than that, and he looks like he's a little bit stronger than that as well. You know, as a linebacker, he's probably one of our, I guess, smoothest and most speedy linebackers just on this list as general. You know, he had some tight end film, like you said, and even you could see it on that, you know, he's he's moving and he's hauling right and he's getting after it and you know he's he's definitely someone that just flies around the field makes some big plays and does his thing you know i think the thing that really stood out to me was that he's just really good in zone and i think he could play man as well so in pass coverage like as a linebacker he just holds up very well whether it's against receivers or linebackers right i think when he does play a little bit in man he kind of gets into that how should I say that receiver mentality almost like, all right, it's one-on-one. I'm bigger than this guy. I'm going to come down with the ball just because he's just a bigger dude. And he's just going to outpower and outmuscle whoever is, is on him. And he has the speed to keep up with them too and be a sticky kind of defender. And so that's most definitely a problem. I think if you check out his high school film, at least, uh, or his high school, like full career highlight film you know there, there are two really big time pick sixes that show up that really shows how versatile he could be and how great of a linebacker he is in coverage and so that's what i really like to see uh like you said you know he is he is a pretty strong guy and he tackles pretty well and he's, he's just a very aggressive and physical kind of linebacker he really does a lot of things for or he did a lot of things for this Mountain View High School team. And he was a leader for them, both on offense and defense. And honestly, really, that's just what you like to see, you know? Like, he just gets after it. And um, he's just extremely versatile. Probably one of the most versatile players on this entire list, if I'm being honest. So, so there you go. But, Cody, do you mind if I go ahead and talk about, I guess, some areas of improvements, things I'd like to see in the offseason? <laughs> Send it. All right, so he, the thing with uh, Daniel Parsec, he's great, right? Uh, I would say he's extremely raw, though. Like, there's a lot of th- – well, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's a solid amount of things that he just doesn't do that – I don't know. He doesn't do in a refined sense, um, as well as some other guys, right? I think in, in, in past coverage, as great as he is, just athletically, like pure athletic-wise – he is just very clunky when he's covering somebody man to man i would say i'd like to see him work on that footwork improve on that and really like you know work on flipping those hips and um just being a little bit more smoother there just because i think in man coverage he i don't know i i think if he was going up against receivers who could put on uh, bigger better moves you know some double moves on him I don't know how how confident I feel about him there just because I feel like, you know, he's not as fluid. He's not fluid enough to keep up. So that's something I'd like to see there. Work on that agility, work on that footwork for sure. Uh, So, yeah. And then I would also say he he overcommits sometimes early on some plays, right? Like his athleticism makes up for some things, but then there are some plays where like you know if it was play action or if it was some sort of rpo right like a fake screenplay type of thing he would have gotten fooled and be put out of position and so i would like for him to become more disciplined uh, and this is kind of where the difference is between uh, brian matram and daniel parsec here brian in my opinion even though he's less athletic he's more disciplined 
Daniel is way more athletic, but he's not as disciplined. And so I think he really needs to hit the film room, look at that stuff and, you know, diagnose some offenses and passing patterns and patterns that may come up in general and, you know, really include that into his game. Because I think he relies a little bit too much on his instincts than I'd like. And, you know, he, he doesn't use that, like, just straight discipline and, like, analytical mind that I'm sure he has. But he just doesn't use it as much as he probably should. And I feel like he makes some emotional decisions at times trying to blow up plays. So, so there you go. But, Cody, what are some things? Oh, and sorry, last thing here. Uh, his stats, productivity. It's definitely a little bit of concern. Stats aren't everything, but if you look at his stats compared to everyone else on this list, they are nowhere near it. I think he's under 20 tackles in all the seasons he's played. So that's definitely a little bit concerning. But um, Cody, what are some areas of improvement you have for Daniel Parsec here? Yeah, so I'm going to end up kind of sounding like an echo a little bit, just repeating a lot of the same things that you said. And that's just because he is such a raw player i put not a lot of film or sample size definitely the least amount of film at linebacker out of any of the guys on this list and i i said that you know i'd run fakes to beat him that was the first thing i said because he pursues way too hard and i think his instincts could use some work so it's like i feel like the way i'd beat daniel parsec is i'd run play action you know i'd run i'd run reverses i'd run double passes and stuff and i don't think he'd be able to compete at the next level against some of those plays at the at the position that he's at currently i also think that you know once again talking about stance a little bit his stance makes it to where he's going forward on every play you know that he's inside the box basically like if he if coverage isn't his primary assignment then he's going to go forward and that's why he's so easy to beat on fakes you know so I think that he needs to adjust his stance to be more disciplined and less like a thousand percent pedal to the metal kind of mentality because it starts there you know it start it starts with your base on what kind of player that you are and what you're going to do and i think that he just needs to dial that back a little bit so that he could be more versatile and you know play against trickier schemes and situations in in a better way <clears throat> i think that yeah, that, th those are basically, I, I'd be repeating, I, I already am repeating quite a bit from what you said, but it doesn't make it any less true, if that okay. makes sense. So, yeah. well then, if, go ahead and go into his, uh, you know, outlook. Yeah, so I don't think he's committed anywhere. He doesn't no, have a I don't Twitter. Think so, <laughs> so okay. I was about to say, I, I, I don't know anything about his recruiting, but I definitely think that he's a Division One FCS kind of guy. To be fair, and sure. I think that, I think that he's a project though, for sure. I would red shirt him, absolutely, like no, no hesitation about red shirting Daniel here, and that's nothing against him. That's just like, you, you want to capitalized off of the athleticism and just like the raw talent but at the next level he's not going to be able to get away with that against non-colorado competition you know you have to realize the scale of competition goes from state or even regional for the most part within the state to to a national scale and there there's some tight ends out there or you know even some tight ends within the state that if he faces them at the next level and they give him a double move it's going to be a touchdown so yeah. I would want to work on that. I'd sit in the film room with him and, you know, and then obviously increase some of the 
increase and improve some of the things that he already does well, you know, with some of those collegiate facilities and then make him a dangerous, maybe even like arguably all conference player within two years, maybe even three years. I think that that's like how high he can go as being an all conference player in, in FCS football. Maybe, okay. Maybe even higher, maybe even higher with, with the raw talent that he has. What are your thoughts? Sure. So Daniel Parsec, for the same reason he's at number four above Brian Matram, <coughs> excuse me, above, above Brian Matram. And, you know, we do have a lot of uh, honorable mentions. So above them as well, I, he's going to be recruited based off of his potential, right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does mean that he's someone that you got to work on, right? Um, he's he's rated above Brian because he's more athletic and he has great hands and all that great, great stuff. And so as a raw athlete, just in general, you know, he's solid. He's good. But with that being said, I don't know how many teams will have the patience to try to develop him when, you know, how, you know, with the NCAA right now, obviously there is no eligibility for this last year of play. And so for a lot of teams, honestly, they'll have, they'll have some veteran, or I guess, increase the veteran presences on their squads. And so I, I don't know, it, I, that kind of just puts them in a tough spot, you know, because here he is an athletic dude. I just don't know if he could snag a full ride or a partial, even though in a normal world, I think he would most definitely be able to snag a full ride somewhere. But I think I just have some doubts there. And so he's someone that you're going to have to redshirt, like you said, Cody. And I don't know if he'll, he would take that much time. He could probably be a two to three year kind of starter after his redshirt year. And even his redshirt year, you could like, you know, you could or after or before or whatever. Uh, if he does even take a red shirt, you could throw him out there and see what he does on special teams, and he would do his thing for sure, I think. And then, you know, as a as someone you sub in as a pass uh, cover guy at linebacker, I think he'd do his thing as well. You know, just get out there and and play ball, right? But he does have a lot of things mentally that I would and cognitively, I mean, that he would have to work on to get up to par with some of the more complicated offenses out here so i do think he could probably be a d1 starter for a lot of teams i don't know if they'll offer him a full ride but in my opinion i think he could be a d1 starter a two to three year starter at that it will just take some time here if he gets a full ride d2 i say take it i think he's more than worth it but but yeah so um honestly he has he has a very high ceiling you know like he could be a weapon on a lot of defenses. Like I think, <laughs> uh, if if I gotta make a comparison here, which it's not gonna be exactly the same here, but I think gameplay wise and style wise, he reminds me a lot of Isaiah Simmons, that Cardinals linebacker that played for Clemson. You know, just how Isaiah Simmons was because he had excellent hands, he had good speed, all that stuff. Um, obviously in the NFL, it's a little bit of a different story, but you know. He still had a lot of success with Clemson. And so that's kind of how I see Daniel Parsec um, in my eyes. But like, you know, just a slightly lesser level because he's not as fast. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. Absolutely. Okay, cool. All right, then. But yeah, so D1, D1 talent, but most likely a D2 guy, though. 
all right with that being said you know um just so we remind y'all at number five we got ryan Matram from regis jesuit and then at number four it was daniel parsec out of mountain view high school and so coming up next we have our number three and number two linebackers in the state of colorado Welcome back to Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021 edition. We got linebackers for the position on the top seniors in Colorado or the box. If you know, you know. But we have at number three, Saxon Wright out of Palmer Ridge High School. And if, you, if you've been listening, you know that we switch it up a little bit and we talk about areas of improvement before we talk about strengths for three and two. So... Without further ado, some areas of improvement for Saxon Wright, in my opinion, is in Saxon's film. And, you know, it, this is kind of a, a scheme thing as well. So it's not like there's not a whole bunch he could do about it. But there's just really not a lot of pass coverage in his film. And I want my linebackers to be able to play the pass in at that next level for sure. Because, I mean, teams are just passing the ball more. We talked about it already in this episode. Like, you have to be able to play the pass to basically play linebacker. Simon talked about how, you know, run-only linebacker guys are pretty outdated. So, I, I really want to see more pass coverage. And also, Saxon is the smallest linebacker on this list. He's six foot, 210 pounds is what he's listed at. And you can kind of see it as far as, like, his reach goes because whenever linemen, linemen can get in close to him pretty fast and he has a hard time keeping a distance with linemen once once the linemen elevate to that second level on certain blocks and uh you can also see it like when, whenever he he reaches up to try and deflect something he doesn't always find a lot of success for that and i also think that you know i i'd want saxon to increase in size weight wise probably up to at least 220 pounds which is where some of these guys are well most of these guys i'd say that's probably the average size and weight of of these players but i definitely want him to get a little bit bigger but not lose his speed or his burst and well it, i guess be able to find ways to adapt to to his reach so, so what are some areas of improvement you have for saxon right yeah so with saxon right i would say that and I'm going to bring this up too with strengths. I would say that he's a little conservative just just playing defense out there at times. Like there are definitely times he, he looks a little slow diagnosing a play, but I know what he's doing, you know, like he's being conservative. He's seeing the play through, being patient with it, not just, you know, jumping in there and causing havoc, but he wants to make the right play. And I think there are times where he, where that just happens to a fault, you know, and a play that comes up, I think his junior year, there's a screenplay and it was literally developing in front of him. He saw the linemen come out and you could tell when the linemen are coming out on a the screen. They run just a certain way and have their arms for it. All that great stuff. You should have seen it. And then, you know, the running back leaked out right in front of him and um, the linemen were too slow to get to him anyways. But I think Saxon just took a really long time to blow that up. Like he took... You know, basically all that time from the lineman coming out to the running back eventually leaking out and turning around 
for a pass to eventually go get him and tackle him and you know by that time the running back caught the pass and you know he was able to gain like two or three yards um it doesn't sound like a lot like sure that is the smart play there but you know I, I, I feel like that's a surefire read and you just gotta blow that blow that up you know that shouldn't even be a pass completed to be honest to be fairly honest that would that should probably be a pick six and i think he is fast enough to do that but he just took a lot of time there and so in my opinion i think he just he's just a little conservative when um you know when when reading plays and i think he improved a little bit from junior to senior year but i like to see him become more sure of himself there and so that might mean maybe doing more film um breakdowns and uh, working on that confidence and you know just not being afraid to pull that trigger either once you have all that information available to you uh you already brought up his past skills or his past coverage skills i agree you, you know work on that you can never not work on that in my opinion i think that's something that you always got to improve of and you know that should probably be one of your most refined skills if you want to look to play at the next level so so there you go um and then another thing that i am i guess a little bit more concerned about is that he, he doesn't have a lot of pass rushing or block shedding moves i would say he really doesn't show off a lot of those there are some guys here that showed off those moves like brian matram in my opinion had way better pass rushing moves than saxon Wright, and that's a little bit of a problem just because you know it kind of limits where you could put him honestly and you know with that we already mentioned that he's a smaller guy and so he needs to have those good pass rushing moves to get off the block and not get caught up in um, in those bigger blockers right and so those are all things i'd like for him to improve on nothing crazy though nothing that you know was way out of his reach right so so there you go but those are the things that i would like for him to improve on um also by the way along whenever i say like pass coverage skills that means you know working on your hands as well because i don't know how great of hands he honestly has and i would like to see that you know uh worked on and crafted as as he goes on but but yeah so cody do you mind if i go ahead and jump into these uh positives and strengths for him yeah go for it there's plenty to choose from all right then so <coughs> excuse me Okay, so with Saxon, right, he was the leader of this Palmer Ridge team for a couple years here. I think he was a either a two-year or three-year starter on the varsity squad. His junior year, he had an absolutely insane year playing on that 3A level. I'm just going to go ahead and read it out right here. But basically, he had... Okay, so in 13 games, he had 158 tackles. 85 of those were solo tackles, uh, 97 tackles for losses, seven sacks, and one interception. And then his senior year, even in a you know condensed year, in seven games he had 75 tackles, 57 of those were solos, 47 uh, tackles for losses, and then two sacks. And so his productivity is easily one of the best in the entire state of Colorado. Not only at linebacker, but at any position. Like he. He puts up a lot of numbers and he's just a very high motor guy and he does his job extremely well. He, you know, just high motor, very, very much an effort player. And he, he just does his thing. You know, he's a football player. So, uh, so there you go. In addition, speaking on stats, you know, against Q Jones, he obviously, uh, 
beat or help beat Bouncing for Carson and was a big factor in that. But he did limit Q Jones for a couple yards. Obviously, there are other guys on the defense who did their job as well. Um, Caden Dudley, some of those linemen as well. But I think Saxon Wright really did a good job filling those lanes, making it very difficult for Q Jones to find a crease. And to me, that honestly stood out a lot you know he just did a very good job covering easily one of the most dynamic offensive weapons in the entire state at least the top three dynamic weapon in the state and so that's what you like to see there and in addition in that state championship game obviously they lost i get that you know they lost they lost that's fine but you know uh, to say that Saxon Wright didn't do his job would be blasphemous at that and would be reaching if I'm just going to be straight up honest because against a Zach Wachowski who by the way is uh, committed to the CSU Pueblo so that's a solid D2 school and you know he ripped up a lot of teams for a lot of yardage uh, you know even some guys who are going to be on this list moving forward um, Saxon Wright still did his thing you know up against a Loveland in that state championship game, he had 18 tackles and a forced fumble against a very run-heavy team. In that second half, what I witnessed was those linemen, defensive linemen specifically, getting a little bit more fatigued and tired and breaking down and causing Saxon Wright to get double-teamed much more in that second half. And so that kind of, kind of limits him there as well. And then obviously, you know, he does play on the other side. He's kind of Palmer. He was Palmer Ridge's uh, power back. And so, you know, he was carrying the ball. He was on the field basically all the time. Like I would say 80 to 90% of that game, he was on the field and he stood still put up that production. And in my opinion, you know, that's big time, right? You like to see that. And then lastly, just in general he's just a very disciplined and just a solid football player you know he won't make a lot of mental mistakes i talked about him being more a little bit more conservative but you know that's also a positive because he's he's just extremely disciplined you know um he always takes the right angles he takes excellent angles he's very efficient stuffing the run and sifting through blockers and finding that ball carrier as well and he just does his job right there's gonna be very few times where you look at his high school film and you say wow, that's a very big mental mistake that he made there because he just doesn't make those kind of mistakes at all he's just there and he's and that's why he's such a big uh, stat patter i would say but in a good way because you know he's always there and he always makes the right decision and you know that's the kind of iq that you really love to see out of a linebacker and leader in saxon right but Cody, I know I talked a lot there, but what are some things that you really liked about Saxon Wright? Well, I'm going to echo some things once again. That's just kind of how it goes when you go second, right? But I think that Saxon Wright is arguably the most fundamentally sound linebacker in the state, which which sounds like, you know, some people may disagree, but I think that, you know, it, that's, that's part of his strengths too, is his attention to detail in his technique is... It, it it pops out in the film and you can see it when he moves side to side i think he has excellent lateral movement you know he his feet never cross really and he has super good footwork at the linebacker position he consistently squares up to the ball carrier is an excellent tackler he transitions to full speed super well like the way he's able to open his hips is better than even like wide receivers in this state so and, and a lot of that comes from, you know, just, just hitting those drills and, and those linebacker-specific drills and working on your footwork super well. And it translates to being a 
very, very sound linebacker who who gets a lot of tackles. Simon already brought it up. You know, what, what do you say, like 150 tackles his junior year? Or uh, yeah, yeah. So you don't get 150 tackles by being a slouch, right? You get 150 tackles by watching film, working on your craft, and and knowing where the ball is going to go, and then being able to meet the ball at the point of attack. And Saxon Wright does that really well due to basically technique alone honestly i also think that he's pretty aggressive you know i i have a hard time seeing anybody going through saxon right really especially simon already talked about it with the q jones matchup and against loveland he balled out when it mattered most in the playoffs you know against some of the best talent in the state and you know you can look at the score but that has nothing to do with saxon Wright's individual performance i think that He's probably Palmer Ridge's best player that game in the championship. And so that's some, there's something to be said about that because Palmer Ridge is a pretty loaded team and Saxon Wright showed up to play and he left everything he had on that field. And that has, has nothing to, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people in that situation, like players, coaches, they could look back and be like, I wish I did this, this, and this there's, I wouldn't say there's any, any of that for Saxon Wright in that championship game. And that's that's because, you know, he's super sound. He fills the lane super well, squares up to the ball carrier. You know, he didn't have people shedding his tackles. I I wonder if there's even anybody who's ever shed a Saxon right tackle because it just doesn't seem possible with the way that he plays and with his strengths. And, you know, he, he's, he's never going to get trucked through or pushed back, I think, by by a ball carrier. So Saxon right, I think that you know mentally he's he's absolutely ready for the next level you know it, as far as that goes and and with with his technique you know he's more polished than definitely most linebackers in Colorado and I'd argue most linebackers in this you know Rocky Mountain region so Simon you mind if I talk about outlook a little bit here with Saxon yeah go for it yeah so Saxon he has and off he has a couple of division two offers you know there's chadron state there's black hill state university adams state western so i think that these are all appropriate for saxon wright based off of his size and and physicality and stuff but i think that you know his intangibles at the division two level can make him a day one starter if i'm being completely honest with you and i think that this is Saxon Wright is a guy at the Division II level that you give a full ride scholarship to because he could leave your school as the all time leading tackler. Like he's he's just that good, he's that sound, and he's ready to go. I think that he's capable of playing in pretty complex schemes. You know he he showed that capability with the stunts that they ran at Palmer Ridge. I'd say where he'd come through the middle, he'd come through the outside. You know he he could do any of that. And I think that, you know, he could improve his pass coverage. I, I believe in that. But I think that his strength is, you know, coming up, playing the run and just racking up tackles and, you know, not letting any ball carrier fall through him, if that makes sense, you know. So that's kind of my outlook. I think that Saxon could be, you know, like a potential kind of like if you run like a 3-4, like linebacker 2 run emphasis kind of guy at maybe the FCS level. But I think that Division Two is pretty appropriate, and I think that he could be wildly successful at the D2 level. And I think he's a full-ride guy at the D2 level, absolutely. And, you know, it, Saxon, if, if you're listening, I think that, you know, you could you could run your chances on, on a potential walk-on 
shot, but if you have a full ride to a D2, tear it up there and, and leave as the school's all-time leading tackler because I really think that you could do that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, look, here, the thing with Saxon, right, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I do know people inside the program, and I know people who are older than Saxon Wright. Um, some people that I've worked with, I'm not going to shout them out because I didn't ask for their permission before I went on here. But, you know, I do know some guys who played linebacker and um, they played over at Palmer Ridge. And I think right now he's over at Black Hills. So if you know, you know. But, you know, that's kind of where I first heard about Saxon Wright. And just from what I could tell and, you know, feel and get the vibe for, you know, Saxon Wright was honestly the emotional leader for for this team one of the emotional leaders for this team definitely for the defense and i think for a lot of programs that's something that you really can't measure like at all right unless you just talk to a lot of people but obviously there are people that are going to be like oh yeah he's an emotional leader and he's an emotional leader but i think saxon wright is a true uh leader and he's someone that you want on your program right if he goes to a d2 i think he could be one of the best d2 players to uh, defensive players to, to ever play in a program, you know, at least program wise, maybe even conference wise, because I think he is that good of a player. I can't see him, you know, I, I could see him play on the D1 level. Um, personally, <laughs> I, I would love for UNC to pick up this young kiddo. I think he's the kind of, uh, he's kind of like the glue that would hold together our defense, you know, maybe not the best player we bring in, but um, well, I guess the best defensive player we bring in, but you know, he, he'd be solid enough, right? He'd be someone that, you know, you could throw in there and he'll do his job and he'll continue to do his job all four years. If I'm being straight up honest, if he really wanted to go that route. Uh, but if not, then, you know, I do hope that maybe some other big sky conference teams, like, I think he's very much <laughs> just, <laughs> just from what I know about big sky football. I think he's very much, uh, an Eastern Washington type of guy. He's easily very much a Montana type of guy and he could go to those programs and succeed as well and contribute to the culture that they have already built there. Cause I feel like, you know, Saxon Wright as a player would fit in culturally extremely well into those programs and give it his all. And obviously, you know, I do think there's a lot of room for him to grow here obviously get bigger work on his pass coverage all that great stuff nothing too crazy i think his speed and agility is pretty good um it's d1 level for someone that can move that fast in my opinion and uh you know unfortunately it is a covid year so you have to think kind of realistically realistically here i think a d2 would definitely offer him a full ride and if so you know obviously it's up to him he could take it but i wouldn't ex exactly rule out going to an fcs on a partial scholarship either and you know working your way into a full ride because i think he is those kind of players that you know after a year or so you'll see that this is somebody that is an absolute full ride type of guy that you need to keep on your team and if you don't then he could transfer someone somewhere else where they will give him a full ride so um i don't know that's that's just what i think i, I know i included some personal connections there and so i'm a little bit biased but Cody, do you think that is a fair evaluation of Saxon right here, outlook-wise? Yeah, I absolutely think it's a fair evaluation. You know, I think it's, you know, I think we have a pretty similar football outlook for for Saxon right. So. Okay, cool. Cool. All right, then. Well, first off, what a name, Saxon Wright. 
probably the best football player name that we've had on this entire uh, playmakers of 21 list or uh, whatever we were calling it here. So I, I have to include it there. But no, nah, for real, though, easily one of the best names in the state of Colorado, one of the best out there. Uh, I'm going to be honest, just moving forward with the listeners, we, we are definitely splicing some hairs here. There's probably a solid argument for him to be the number one linebacker in the state. If I'm being completely honest, it just depends who you talk to. I don't know if this is exactly a consensus type of thing we got going on here. Like it is with other like positions, like at corner, I think that was pretty obvious. Um, defensive line, that was pretty obvious as well. But this one is definitely a bit blurred, and I think that's important to keep in mind uh, as we head into our top three right here. So, yeah. But Cody, do you mind if I go ahead and introduce the next guy on our list? Go for it. All right. So at number two, the second best linebacker in the state of Colorado, it is Colin Stir, the inside linebacker for Dakota Ridge High School, 6'4", 225. Once again, if we're saying your name wrong, we apologize. I believe it's Stir. I could be wrong. But with that being said, let's just go ahead and talk about errors of improvements here. There's not a whole lot, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and go for it. So I think the thing that stood out to me the most that I'd really like for him to work on is is his tackling form. There are a lot of times he tackles just extremely high. Maybe not. Okay, I don't want to say extremely high. I know he's like six foot 225 or whatever, what have you. But he does tackle pretty high for for a linebacker and doesn't get as low as he could and just drive a guy. You know, he'll he'll kind of. I won't say grab them by around the neck, but in that kind of area, he will wrangle them around there and then drag them down. And so he needs to work on that and be a little bit more consistent as a tackler. Because obviously on the next level, you're going to have running backs and ball carriers who have pretty insane upper body strength. And so you got to be able to, you know, tackle them and bring them down. And so, you know, just work on that consistency there. I think that's something that really stood out. Um, just junior and senior year and it just really didn't improve from junior and senior year so so there you go uh another thing with colin here he does look like he gets a little confused at times and maybe susceptible to play action unless he is specifically told hey drop into a zone um if he's just free ranging i think he's gonna get caught on a play action type of play and bite a little bit too hard and so no that's just film room work Make sure you go over all those passing concepts and uh, really, really get a good feel for for offenses on that next level. And then, you know, you can let in instincts take over from there once you blend that with with the knowledge that you learn in the film room. And so, uh, yeah. And then I want to say, <sighs> OK, I I do kind of hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. He played on a great defensive team. And there were plenty of guys on this team, um, just to throw out a few, Charlie Offerdahl, Spencer Hardy, who may have taken away attention from Colin, right? Uh, obviously, Charlie, he's a D1 safety. Spencer, he could be a D1 lineman. Still hasn't committed as of right now. But uh, with all that being said, 
I don't know if he was exactly keyed in on as a defensive player. And so that's a little concerning. I do wonder how he would hold up against double teams, triple teams, that kind of stuff um, on that next level. Because I think you really can't have one blocker on him. And there are a few times he had to face a lot of double teams. But, but yeah. Anyways, Cody, what are your areas of improvement for Colin here? Yeah, so... Uh, I'd say that I kind of want him to fill out a little bit more because he, he kind of looks like like a string bean a little bit on the field compared to like some of these other linebackers that are pretty stout, I'd say. And, you know, may, maybe I'm tripping, but I think he's probably a little bit taller than six foot. He definitely probably looks like six foot one, maybe sure. even six foot two to me. So I think that, you know, that that just like there's nothing wrong with that it just means that there's more to fill out right so i definitely want to see him fill out a little bit more before tackling on that next level and i also put that he tackles high and this allows running backs to fall forward against him that probably have no right to fall forward against colin based off of his strength which i'll talk about you know coming up here in a second but I definitely think that he tackles high and this opens up opportunities for players to make, you know, gain an extra one to two yards that they have really no right in having because they're not stronger than Colin, in my opinion. I also think that his his start to go speed could be improved because he kind of stands like you can't see me do it. So I don't know why I just sat up all the way, but he stands okay. straight up. He stands straight up when when the play starts, if that makes sense. So like. You know, sure. it, it's it's all about leverage, and that includes like starting at the beginning of the play. So you know, he has he loses some time, which you know it's milliseconds at a time, but those milliseconds translate to yards pretty quick. So I I'd, I'd want him to work on playing lower for sure, from his start to go to his tackling form. I think that he'll be a much better football player when he finds that new level of leverage and what that means in the game of football we talk we talk about it every every single episode we talk about leverage so yeah it, it's still to anyone listening it's still important work on your leverage basically even if even if we say that even if like you listen to your breakdown and we don't talk about your leverage keep working on it like that's a lifelong football kind of thing to always keep in mind and i think that Conster would be it, he'd be even scarier than he already is at a more correct leverage and i think that that would that would push him into the number number one spot like simon said we're splitting hairs here at one and two like absolutely but you know if, if colin played at a lower leverage i don't even know if we'd have a conversation if that's fair yeah so uh, I also think that he could improve his stride as well. I think that he takes a lot of short, like, kind of choppy steps, especially whenever he's flowing to the ball. And so I think working on taking those longer strides until you get to the ball and then being able to break down and chop up would be very useful for Colin. And I think that that's a pretty easy thing to work on as well. So... Now, after... After... Get, getting some criticisms out of the way i'd like to talk about Colin's strengths and why he is the number two linebacker and like simon said we have a bunch of honorable mentions this list was pretty hard to put together there are some dudes but colin stir is definitely you know i'd say ahead of a lot of these guys for for a plethora of reasons so simon you mind if i talk about Colin stir's strengths yeah go for it yeah so i already talked about you know 
I, I don't think these running backs should be falling forward against Colin because he's strong as an ox. Like, he tosses linemen to the side with just his arms. So, if that gives you any idea on just how strong he is in just his arms, like, he doesn't use his whole body. He just shucks them. Linemen. Whole linemen. These, you know, so I think that that that's like, it just blows my mind. I love watching him just toss them to the side. Running backs try and step up in pass coverage against him, and he just levels them. Like, they just disintegrate. It's like their Thanos snapped out of existence if they make contact with Colin going full speed. So I think that, and, and part of the reason that he goes full speed so well when blitzing is because I can tell Colin watches film and he watches film super well and takes away all the right things. Because the timing of his blitzes for an 18-year-old is unlike a lot of what I've ever seen. You know, there's there's pros that don't time their blitzes as well as Colin Sturr does. You know, and you can tell that some of these teams try and get him with a hard count and they just don't get him, you know, because he's True. able to, he, he starts to creep forward and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to get him. But he's creeping forward slow enough to where they hit him with a hard count a few times and they say hike and he's still just through the line like a hot knife through butter. So I really like Colin Stir blitzing. He blitzes from the edge, he blitzes from the middle and he blitzes, you know, in between the tackles as well and the guards and he does all of it super well. And I think that's a huge testament to his football IQ and the film. Colin is super fast and athletic. He's probably, you know, he's one of the more athletic linebackers on this list. And you could tell because of the way that he plays man coverage super well. He's probably the best man coverage linebacker in the state of Colorado. He flows really well in zone. You know, there's some plays where the quarterback bought time, bought time, bought time. And, you know, they think that they, they got him beat because the defense has been, you know, playing pass coverage for too long. And who gets an interception? Colin does. So, you know, and I think that that's another statement on, you know, quarterbacks don't really have the ability to extend the play as much when Colin blitzes. So, you know, it's like a pick your poison kind of thing when facing Colin Sturr. It's like, okay, well, we could run a pass play, but if Colin blitzes, he's probably going to sack us. Or we could run a pass play, but if he drops back in coverage, it could easily be an interception taken back to the house. So, you know, those are obviously like, he gives headaches to offensive coordinators in the state of Colorado. Absolutely. He also has... Uh, an excellent knack for getting his hand on the ball and punching it out there's actually one play where he just takes it from the running back he just he just rips it out and takes it so you know he's he's great at forcing turnovers and that opens up a lot of opportunities for other people on this team for sure he has he plays inside and outside really well i think at the linebacker position so versatility is obviously you know something we value here at playmakers corner and something that colleges value on the next level and i think he has a pretty awesome swim move if i'm being completely honest he has a better swim move than some linemen in the state and then you yeah. know um he has his arms are super long which is excellent for engaging with with linemen and in pass coverage and for tackling sometimes he just reaches his long arm out there and gets a tackle and just grabs on and you're not gonna go anywhere. but simon i hope i didn't take everything but man collinster is he's pretty fun to watch and a great linebacker yeah no you're all good he's a monster um Look, just like Saxon, right? Obviously, he's at number two, so, you know, there's probably a little bit more of an argument. There's a pretty solid argument for Colin Sturr here. I think I think there are a lot of people in the state who would probably put him at number one, if I'm just being completely honest here. I think there are a lot of people who would love to put him at number one. Um, 
he, he just has it all, right? Like, he plays the ball well in pass coverage, uh, whether it's man or zone. I think he does a pretty solid job there. You know, he's very disciplined there. And then, obviously, against the run, he's a monster. There's one play in particular that really stood out to me that really showed off his upper body strength. And I want to say it was during his junior year. And so, it's a run play. And just standing straight up, like, he's not even, like, you know um a lower or he doesn't even have leverage on the guy he just like hits the dude with two hands and the dude goes like he like almost flips over <laughs> and it's a guard that is pulling that he does that too and it i don't know it was just very reminiscent of that one time where dante fowler i think he's an outside linebacker for the la rams he did that in college and i thought that was pretty insane here and so he's just a very strong dude who has a honestly really good speed for someone his size so so yeah and then um i'm not gonna say a lot of the things that you went over because i'd just be repeating it i do think he you know led a pretty good championship caliber defense and i'm willing to say that obviously in the two years that he played for them his junior and senior year they were one game short in both of their those years of making it to the state championship game like you know and it that was by i i want to say a combined 10 points in those two years uh, that they lost by which is really sad but you know it does build character and you know colin he's he's a big reason why they made it that far you know he led those championship caliber defenses and anchored a really tough dakota ridge squad and cleaned up a lot of messes for them over there and so that honestly can't be denied those accomplishments on the field it speaks for themselves and you know lastly here speaking of those uh, accomplishments on the field in those two years that he played he did have 143 total tackles obviously his junior year he had more of those so he had 66 solo tackles as a junior and then four interceptions as well which is actually really really good for for a linebacker at least in the state of colorado or just in general if i'm being straight up and so you know he obviously did his job there on a team that was pretty stacked you know defensively between spencer hardy and charles offered offered all who will um you know both of those guys will eat up a bunch of tackles so the fact that colin was able to get you know get get his numbers up and do his thing says a lot um about him and so with that being said uh let's go ahead and talk outlook so he is committed to colorado mesa cody remind me here because i'm not super familiar with smaller colorado colleges here that's a d2 correct yeah that's a d2 in grand junction okay um i think he's a first year starter <laughs> if i'm being completely honest i don't think you i don't think they could afford to redshirt him because if i'm being straight up i personally believe colin St uh colin stir or store or whatever we're saying here uh colin he is a d1 guy absolutely an fcs guy i could have seen unc offering him a full ride and a lot of other fcs schools offering him a full ride he probably could have even sneaked up into a, a fbs school um maybe not as a full ride guy but at least a partial scholarship uh type of guy so the fact that he was able to snag a scholarship to colorado mesa first off i'm happy for him because he's getting a good education there he's doing his thing you know that's less money that he'll have to worry about in the long run but i do think that colorado mesa is uh, you know they're batting a little bit a little bit higher than than i would uh think for them to do 
But, you know, it is a COVID year and, you know, this isn't exactly uh, out of the norm. And so I do think he's someone who could start day one, be an impact player for that Colorado Mesa football team. Cody, am I out of pocket for saying that he could be a four-year starter, essentially? Not at all, Simon. So I'm actually, I was really surprised to see that Khan was committed to Colorado Mesa because I think he's he's a no-brainer D1 guy, especially at the FCS level, arguably at the FBS level, with his combination of athleticism and strength alone, you know, raw talent-wise. He's really polished. He's super physical at the point of attack. And I mean, gosh, we talked, I talked about his strengths. It felt like for, I could talk about his strengths forever, you know? So to, to see him committed to Colorado Mesa, I'm really happy for Colorado Mesa. And I think that, you know, in the town of Grand Junction, I think that Colin Sturr is going to be a rock star, honestly. So I will advise Colin, you know, be a little bit careful. Don't, don't let it get to, to your head because you could definitely be one of the, one of the best Colorado Mesa players ever, I think. And, you know, there's not like, jeez, oh I don't know how else to say this, but you know, Grand Junction, there, there's not like a huge, I want to say like nightlife or anything like that. So people are <laughs> people are going to go watch these games, right? And they're going to see Colin Stir making plays left and right for them. And I think that Colorado Mesa got a steal by getting Colin Stir absolutely. And I hope that he, he's on a full ride because he absolutely deserves nothing less than a full ride at the division two level or even the fcs level so simon you asked me if you were out of pocket i might have gone out of pocket explaining how inside the pocket you were if that's fair yeah 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 no that's more than fair um i completely agree and i think at colorado mesa it's rare that you find a guy that is very entertaining on defense. Usually those guys are like, you know, like the loudmouths, like corners, or they're like a pass rusher. But I think he will be that kind of guy that will bring in some fans and, um, I don't know, just be just be a big-time guy. So, Colin, if you're listening to this, uh, don't get it twisted, though. You still have stuff to work on, so work on those things because uh, we completely <laughs> expect you to dominate each year you're there. If I'm being straight up, I think getting a hundred tackles every year is a solid is is probably the minimum that I kind of expect. If I really had to put a number to it, that might be a lot because it you know next year we we never know and I don't want to know uh, predict bad things that'll happen. But you never know, and so I don't know if he'll get to play a full season. But I do think in the next year or two after that, you should be able to average a hundred tackles a season. If I'm being straight up, so. So there you go. But continue to grind. If we want to move on to this next level here, I think there can be a path to the NFL if he does all the right things at Colorado Mesa. But he will have to stay for four years um, and contribute and stay healthy and do all that stuff for four years. But with that being said, I do think if he plays his cards right, there could be a path to the NFL here and from then on you never know so so yeah but cody do you have anything else to add on to that no i do not i i agree with your expectations they may seem kind of harsh to to put on an 18 year old but colin's good enough to do that and you know i i'd love to see colin have a shot at the nfl especially from the division two level i think that'd be really interesting so yeah for colin, sure just you know keep doing the the same things right you know and uh, just, just stay focused. Stay focused. That's what I'll say to Colin for sure. Yeah, but for sure. 
if I'm being honest, you know, he's not going to the NFL having only two good years at Colorado Mesa. He has to have at least three good years, ideally four, to even get a good shot at the NFL. So I think that's a good goal to have there. And uh, just to keep in mind all of that, you know. So, um, all right then. Well, if that is it, coming up next, we're going to talk about honorable mentions. We have a lot of them. And so we're not going to, you know, go into details about every single one, but we'll, we'll talk about most of them. And then we're going to talk about the number one linebacker in the state of Colorado coming up next. Booyah. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We are going to wrap up our Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021 Linebackers Edition. And we're going to talk about our number one linebacker in the state. But first, we have a handful of honorable mentions here. So I'm just going to kind of machine gun fire through some of them and just briefly mention their names because they are worth mentioning. But we have, you know, Tanner Appleby, Caden Dollar, Jaden Tafoya, and Jake Bully, who all made plays at their respective schools and programs and racked up some serious stats and tackles this past year. And then we're going to go a little bit in depth here, and I'm going to start off with one honorable mention, Victor Owens out of Vista Peak High School. So I, I really liked watching Victor's film, and Simon would agree with me that in space, he's really good and an excellent cover guy. But the biggest concern with Victor is that he's five foot nine. And 195 pounds, which, which the size, the weight isn't the the worst weight, but like Simon and I talked about this, Victor and Victor, if you're listening, we think that it'd be best if you tried to transition to safety to go to the next level, just based off of your height and your skills too, because we didn't see a lot of in the box work. Is that fair, Simon? Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's more than fair, to be honest. Um, there, there are some D2s or even D3s that could probably use you at linebacker, but I think safety is probably your best bet if you want to get out the most uh, from that. So, so yeah, yeah. So, so definitely focus on switching to safety. And I think that you can maximize your talent there and, and your skills for sure. Simon, you want to talk about our next honorable mention real quick? Yeah, the other guy we have here, um, I'm going to do a deeper breakdown on this guy because he was requested kind of a while ago. And actually, now that I think about it, that breakdown probably already released. And so you already know you're not a top linebacker in the state, unfortunately. But (laughs) it's Aaron Ness, the linebacker out of Northridge High School, 61230. Um, Look, he's a great player. I have teacher friends from inside the school who talk extremely highly of this guy they could confirm all of his lifts and whatnot and he's an extremely tough and strong dude just in general and he moves really well um the biggest thing that was holding him back was just his past coverage you just didn't see any of it uh at all really and that's just a little bit of a problem i think it's more the system than him but, you know, like I said, with this linebacker list, we were splitting a lot of pairs. And so he was just out on that. And so Aaron Ness, I am going to do a deeper breakdown on you. And to be honest, you probably already saw it. And so uh, there you go. You're going to get your recognition a little bit sooner than some of the other guys on this list. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, Simon, with the with the insider info, the uh, insider trading information on Aaron Ness, you know, and... It, the, these three guys like just narrowly missed the list like 
we we took a lot of time talking about this and and this last guy is actually a teammate of somebody who was on the list brian Mottram's teammate andrew kulik who is a commit to colorado state university and i think that he's going to find a lot of success there he's super athletic i think he's what six foot three 200 pounds yeah so you know, he, he was great in man coverage. He's super fast. He was also Regis's wildcat quarterback who ran the ball a lot. We just, we, we had some concerns about him in the box and he had less engagement moves than Brian Mothram did. So, you know, that th- that was basically, he, he narrowly missed just behind Brian. It came down to one of the two of them. And we went with Brian because he's more of a linebacker and Andrew at his current size is just not necessarily as much of a linebacker i'd say as brian is yeah for sure i think he just needs to get a little bit bigger like obviously saxon wright was the um i guess our smallest guy on this list at six foot 210 but he is even a little bit more compact there and so that helps him out there with andrew with andrew here he just needs to put on weight and he's he just narrowly missed out i think a lot of teams could use him but you know that lack of i guess physicality between the tackles is definitely a little bit concerning and if i'm being honest as a defensive guy i'd rather have the guy who i know could stop the run and has shown that he could play the pass than someone who is just really good against the pass but he might be questionable against the run because you know linebackers i feel like are almost always responsible for the run and so that's definitely my priority there uh at least being solid enough against that and so that's just something we'll we'll see moving forward so yeah so but with all that being said simon do you want to introduce our number one linebacker in the state of colorado yeah i'd be happy to so our number one linebacker in the state of colorado is tyson lambert the six foot 220 pound inside linebacker from thunder ridge high school and he is a northern colorado commit so he is the first player that is committed to our alma mater at least our first number one ranked player that is committed to our alma mater and you know i'm just gonna be honest unc they they got a dog you know a lot of people felt like he is a very underrated type of player and I would agree, he is a very underrated type of player, but I think that there is a pretty good argument here for him being the best linebacker just in the entire state. And so before we get into all those positives, Cody, you mind if I talk about errors of improvements here? Absolutely, everybody has some. Yeah, so number one, he could improve his block shedding skills and use his hands better. Uh, you know, there are times his hands are just a little bit slow. And so hand speed, that is something you could work on. And then obviously developing those pass rushing and block shedding moves will be important so that he can be used uh, more consistently as a blitzer. And so that's something I'd like to see uh, be done there. I think there are definitely some concerns about his hands as a catcher. Like he's not bad. Like he could catch the ball for sure. But it's not Daniel Parsec, if I'm being straight up. And so I think that could be improved on for sure. I'd like to see him work on those ball skills and really look on using those hands and bringing it in and bringing, oh my gosh, bringing in throws and intercepting the ball and, um, you know, working on doing that from a couple different angles. And so that's something I'd like to see. Um, and then lastly, I guess 
if I really had to nitpick here top end speed is a little bit slow not as slow as some other people but it's it's just a little slow and so if he could improve that continually and do his best to improve that by improving his acceleration and his agility just in general that would be that would be great you know so so yeah but I think that's pretty much it Cody what about you yeah, so for, for Tyson, I definitely think that he could improve his strength for linemen at the next level. Whenever he gets engaged, you can see that he kind of can get caught up for sure. And also, I think that Tyson looks for contact when a smarter play is available a little too much to my liking. Like, obviously, you want your linebackers to be physical. But when a, an easier path is there and you choose not to go with it, it's a little confusing. So, and I think that's just like a high school thing. If I'm going to be completely honest, it's like, well, you ask a lot of high schoolers, hey, why do you love football? It's like, because I like to hit things. So like, I I hope that, you know, that, that's something that's going to have to be worked on and like readdressed and I guess like reprioritized heading to that next level is like, okay, now like, you know, at the collegiate level, like it really starts to get more serious than high school. Like the, the level of intensity increases like tenfold, I want to say. And... <clears throat> You, you have to understand, it's like, okay, I need to do what's best for my team and not necessarily what's the most, quote, like, fun, like, just running into people kind of thing. So I think that those are the things that he can improve on. I also want to see him play the ball more in pass coverage because, you know, he, he'll he usually kind of like almost Dakota, like we talked about with Dakota Allen, which if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and find it. I think it's like one of our first five episodes. Yeah. It's like number two, maybe even. But anyways, um he'll wait for for the pass catcher to catch the ball and then level them and they'll drop it and it's like that's cool and all but like interceptions are even cooler right um Always. and 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 so i think that he has the ability to force more turnovers it's just up to him kind of but no i'm definitely like pretty nitpicky with with, with some of these areas of improvement i think that watching more film is obviously something that every player can do and i think that he'll benefit from it heading to that next level but he did get some pretty good looks at the 5a level on the offenses that he faced um and and then obviously you know what what simon also said too not to not to discount anything but with those areas of improvement being addressed simon is there anything else that you want to add on before you start talking about the strengths of tyson lambert at offender ridge um no go ahead sick so tyson lambert at offender ridge you know, he takes the best angles in the state of Colorado, I'd say. You know, he's never going to take the wrong angle and allow a big play to happen. And I think, you know, he fills holes and he pushes the ball carrier back every time. A ball carrier almost, I don't think ever fell forward against Tyson when it was straight up, like, head-to-head. You know, who's going to go north to south? Which way are we going? The running back is always going to go backwards. So, and also, Tyson's closing speed... And the way he accelerates, especially if quarterbacks get out of the pocket, it reminds me of a homing missile. Like, he just, he goes so fast and he accelerates really well. And I think that he's he, he's fast in general, but especially when he sees the chance in the open field to, to just obliterate somebody, it, there's no escape for whoever the ball carrier is. They're about to get destroyed. That's just yeah. how it is. Uh, he has excellent burst at the point of attack. And he might be the hardest hitter on this list. He lays the wood 
against, you know, whether it's inside the box or outside the box, but I think it's especially scary outside the box. If I'm if I'm running outside the hashes and I see Tyson Lambert coming my direction because we didn't fool him going the other way, I better, if I'm the quarterback, I better get rid of the ball. And even if you get rid of the ball, he's still probably going to make you wish that you hadn't crossed him in the open field. Another thing that I really like about Tyson is his footwork is super, super well. And, you know, I think that's that's part of what makes his burst so well is, is that he never takes a false step when moving somewhere. And another thing that you could see, like I like I talked about earlier, you know, the, the type of linebacker or football player that you are starts at your base. And so the impressive thing about Lambert's base is that Tyson, he never plays too conservative or too aggressive. He is the perfect linebacker in terms of like combination of aggression and discipline at the same time and and that starts at, at his feet because you know he's not going to pursue too hard but he's not going to play too far off and wait too long in my opinion i think that he has an excellent combination of you know he, he's kind of like he's he's the sweet spot between like a colin stir and a saxon Wright as far as like aggression to discipline goes because, and, and it's a tough thing to balance, and so for him to be able to balance it already is is omega impressive. And I think that, you know, on top of all of these things, he times blitzes pretty well, and he re plays really well. And Tyson Lambert played his best football against the best football in the state in terms of Valor Christian and Cherry Creek High School. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Simon, you'd like to elaborate on, on Tyson Lambert's strikes? <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, especially against Cherry Creek, if you look at his highlight reel, um, excuse me there. If you look at his junior year highlight reel, especially in those first minute or two, he does an excellent job because the people he is making high or highlights against and plays against, those are pe all guys who are basically going D1, if I'm being straight up. And so, you can't sleep on that you know you really can't sleep on that because that's a big time there were few players who did as well as they did than tyson did against cherry creek in that game he had one interception a forced fumble and then probably a whole sling of tackles um that he showed on there and so you love to see that especially against the defending two-time champs and um that's big time you know it for linebackers well i guess for defensive players it matters who you play against for sure that's why you'll always see a lot of you know d or d4 <laughs> 4a and 5a kind of players you always see a lot of 4a 5a kind of players and that's because it matters who you play up against and so he did his he did an excellent job against you know a, a stacked cherry creek team which we've talked a million times about and then obviously against valor and their five-star running back as well so you know you you can't just how should i say this you can't just not take all of that into account because that does mean for something in addition he did have pretty good stats throughout his senior and junior year you know in his junior year in 12 games he had 129 tackles 93 of those were solos uh 17 tackles for losses and three sacks that's big time especially 93 solo tackles that's absolutely insane and then you know in a shortened season where he played half the games he had uh in six games he had 89 tackles 47 solos and 13 tackles for losses uh if he had if he got to play 12 or six more games he would be on pace to have around jesus uh, around 178 tackles i want to say roughly 
he would be on pace on, uh, to do that um just based on his six game i guess um what's the word his six game sample right here so with all that being said you know he put up those numbers and he did it against some of the best on that 5a level here in the state of colorado you know and what i really liked uh, i mean really that's it honestly that's what i really liked. obviously cody you mentioned a lot of his strengths there i agree with all of those um he's he's just he's a pretty I guess good blend between those two like you said i really like how you mentioned both colin and saxon there i think he's just a good blend between those two players so let me yeah. stop you he's a good player let's just say that he's a good player i think he probably could have gotten fbs offers if we're being honest but no he's just a very good player and then um last but not least great d1 size 61 220 might even weigh a little bit more i could see him weighing a little bit more than 220 but you know, it is what it is for someone to move that fast and have that production. That's big time. And I think he was very deserving of that scholarship to the University of Northern Colorado. So, Cody, let's talk about his outlook here. Uh, first things first, we already know he's going to UNC. But in your solid, you know, I guess as unbiased as it could be opinion. But do you think he is going to the highest level school possible? How about that? That he popped that he probably could play at and succeed at. I think that UNC is, uh, I think UNC is a really good fit, fit for Tyson Lambert because, you know, I think that he has, he has enough to work on, I'd say. And, you know, uh, I'm assuming that he wants to stay in state probably. But with that being said, I think that he, he probably could have been an FBS player. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah, I think that's more than fair to say. You probably have to redshirt and, you know, develop a little bit more, I think, to adjust to the level of play. But I think he could have definitely been an FBS player. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's obviously something to keep in mind. But, you know, I, I think that the fit is going to be really good for him. I think that, you know, obviously we, we've talked to some guys about their commitment and and what what was important to them and a lot of it was relationships i think that unc is doing a really good job of of establishing that relationship first kind of thing and you know riding that ed mccaffrey hype train pretty hard so i i think that that's important to keep in mind but i do think that that tyson is is an fbs player with that being said i do think that he'll probably see more time on the field as a unc bear than than if he was to go to an FBS program, you mean? Yes. Okay. Over the course of his career. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, which is which is a hint on what I think. I think you redshirt Tyson. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially you know, there's going to be some baggage with with extended stays or you know extended um. What's the word I'm looking for? Eligibility. Yeah, extended eligibility, you know, that's going to slow down a lot of these players getting to the field sooner. But I think that once once Tyson gets his chance, he, he's not going to let go. But, you know, I think that he, he gets to start probably his second year at UNC, whereas in other FBS programs, he, he has to do a lot more to climb up the depth chart. Okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, that's fair. I think 
if I want to be completely honest, I don't know if UNC has a linebacker like Tyson Lambert right now. I know we've always kind of went a little bit smaller, I would say. But even with all that recruiting we did with grad transfers and uh, all that great stuff, I just don't know if UNC has a linebacker as big as Tyson Lambert at six foot two twenty who can move like he does. So I I could see him getting redshirted, but I could also see him getting some uh, much needed reps on special teams. And you know if he excels on special teams, then you know I'm sure opportunities will open up at that linebacker spot. So there you go. But I would probably recommend you know redshirt so you could get used to your classes and. Uh, all that great stuff. He does have a 3.85 GPA, so he's a pretty solid student from what I could see. From what I could see, so maybe that's not the biggest uh, problem here. But um, yeah, I think I think we really can't go wrong though uh, with Russia. I don't I don't think we could honestly rush him too fast. So I, if anything, that would have been my biggest concern. I think he's just a solid, athletic like you know player that we have and if we could get him onto the field quicker than uh unusual then the better even because you know game in-game experience that definitely accounts for something so so yeah yeah but we'll we'll see i know i'm excited to see yeah sure. no we're, we're both excited to see because we'll be watching unc games especially this year obviously he won't be playing this year because he's still in high school but you know um this year we'll we'll watch how the ed mccaffrey era goes and how a bunch of other things go because i just think uh in in past years i would say we were more of a defensive kind of team you know like we play tough defense and then uh, offense should be explosive but it wasn't and that <laughs> and that was what it was so i'm interested to see how how Tyson will develop here under a, you know, offensive minded head coach, I would say, and probably a stronger offensively coached team. I don't know if those are fair. I feel like those are fair things to say, but I mean, Cody, per usual, you could always check me if you feel like that won't be as big of a problem. I. Or issue. I, I don't know. <laughs> we, we know we, we know the history of unc but i think that tyson is going to be integral to i think tyson stands for like almost a bridge to an extent right where it's sure. like tyson is definitely the unc player of like what 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 we've been known for i'd say but i i and i think that he's going to help keep that kind of tradition of like a, a stout defense uh, and then almost bridge it in a way where you know we we will have a more explosive offense but tyson still helps keep familiarity with like what unc has been about if that makes sense yeah sure i mean i, I totally get that but well uh, i guess we'll have to see you know but we'll, we'll i think this is a great pickup yeah yeah for sure i think this is a great pickup for unc either way i know we've picked up a bunch of offensive players which is you know that's always a fun thing it's cool to see like wide receivers from power five schools like tcu come through but you know it we really didn't recruit heavily defensively i would say at least for this class and um i mean i know we have some guys but 
yeah i i don't know i think tyson he could be a game changer like i don't think he would just be another run-of-the-mill kind of unc player i think he could probably he has the potential to be a little bit more than that um but we'll we won't get ahead of ourselves here so so yeah but uh cody do you have anything else to add on here no i don't i think that does it for our top five colorado playmakers class of 2021 linebackers edition once again, at number five, we had Brian Motts from out of Regis Jesuit High School. Then we had Daniel Parsec at number four out of Mountain View High School. Then we had Saxon Wright out of Palmer Ridge. Then at number two, Colin Sturr at Dakota Ridge High School. And number one, Tyson Lambert out of Thunder Ridge High School. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Playmakers Corner or at Playmaker Corner. You can also... I already said Facebook, so that's fine. But anyways, you can also feel free to DM us. And once again, if you're going to make requests to us in our DMs, we need the player's name, full name. We need the high school and preferably a link to some film or their huddle. So Yes. Um, well, yeah, that'll do for actually our top five scene or I guess our um, class of 21 playmakers football edition series altogether that's uh that's the last segment there and so you wow. know make sure you check out any of the other top five positions we did most of them honestly and so i think we started december and this will be ending around february so it's been a long journey we appreciate those of you that we've picked up all along the way we'll continue to do requests and whatnot but uh, moving forward we will talk about underclassmen we probably won't talk about you know juniors from this last year because those are guys that we already know about and we will eventually talk about later this fall so we'll hold it for them um just so that we could continue to gather film there but we will do underclassmen uh i want to say the next episode we'll do middle school players some so, so some standouts i know we talked about dj bordeaux a little bit here and so um there are i want to say three other quarterbacks that we really like as well so we'll talk about them and then we'll eventually transition to basketball and we'll be doing both men's and women's basketball in the state of colorado so that'll be really fun a lot of content there as the seasons uh progress i believe that basketball season um is after the second football season that we have here so if there are any other football players that do play you know during this um is it c season i think is what they're calling it we'll uh we'll cover them as requested so so yeah but yeah sorry i know you had a whole ending there but i feel felt like i had to you know make sure i had a some some closure there but with that being said i'm one of your co-hosts simon Voyanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer, and thank you for listening.